Chapter Six of Cycling in the Alps by C. L. Freeston. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Julier. A famous route is that of the Julier, and much frequented by the ordinary diligence traveller. For one reason, it is the earliest of the passes in this region to be free from snow, and is much less susceptible to avalanches than either the Albula or Fluella. Another potent inducement is the fact that it enters upon the upper Engadine at one of its most picturesque points, and plunges the tourist at once into the heart of the lake region at Silvaplana. To the cyclist it appeals if he wishes to ride the entire length of the Engadine, in which case the Julier brings him out only seven miles away from Maloya, to which he may ride, and then, turning round, enjoy an uninterrupted run of sixty miles to the Austrian frontier at Martinsbruck. Either of the other passes would involve a much greater amount of retracing one's steps if the whole of the Engadine had to be covered, as it ought to be, or else would mean that some of the beauties of the valley must remain unknown. When first I cycled in the Engadine, for example, several years ago, I rode from Sus to Maloya, and thence to the Italian lakes, and as the central portion of the long plateau is less striking than the last sixteen miles, it was easy to imagine that the country below Sousse waxed plainer and plainer as it grew lower and lower. No greater mistake could have been made, however, and the lower Engadine, as I have since found, is a most welcome surprise to anyone who enters on its exploration with misgiving. The cyclist should by all means ride along this wonderful valley, so lofty that it is difficult to think of it as a valley at all, from end to end. And this is best accomplished by taking the Julier on the outward journey, with the Stelvio and Benina in prospect, when Martinsbruck is reached. Failing the ascent of the Stelvio, of course, the Fluella route to Sousse would be the simplest way, but would involve the covering of the twenty-five miles of ground from there to Martinsbruck twice over. Another consideration to the cyclist who is more liable to vicissitudes than the diligence traveller in respect of accidents, rainstorms or even exhaustion is the fact that the Julier has more villages by the way which have good hotels, and this is a point to be borne in mind by the rider who tours in the past country for the first time. Though starting with the best intentions as to moderation and the like, the very wide discrepancy between the mileages he has been accustomed to at home and those that are feasible in the Alps, will probably have upset his calculations, and he will be glad to find a bed at times, when some considerable distance from his intended destination. The Julier is less picturesque, perhaps, than either the Fluella or the Albula, but the comparative of one country may be infinitely more imposing than the superlative of another. Certainly, no one who makes the Julier his first Alpine pass will fail to be impressed with his environment at any portion of the journey, up or down. From Tiefenkasten to the summit is a distance of 21 miles, much of which has to be climbed, but intermediate stages are rideable. The road starts deeply at once from Tiefenkasten and winds along the edge of the Stein precipice through a well-wooded ravine. A tunnel is passed on the way, one of the kind which is used only when the road proper is blocked with snow. After three miles of pushing through the woods, the road widens into the Oberhalbstein, a broad valley of green pastures and many villages on both sides of the Julia River. 
one may ride for several miles through this peaceful expanse passing the villages of Bervain, Conte and Savonin, otherwise known as Schweiningen. The last named is a very suitable place for a halt, if occasion requires, as there are two or three hotels and the outlook is not unattractive, with several hamlets on the adjoining slopes across the river. The road continues rideable to Tintzen, 4,070 feet, at the mouth of the Val d'Air, it then rises steeply through rocky ravines, passing a series of five waterfalls to Rofna, 4,760 feet, and then over rideable but undulating ground to the pleasantly situated village of Morlan, or Mulen, 4,793 feet. From this point to Stalla is the most picturesque stage of the Julier Road. The river rushes swiftly through a succession of rocky landscapes, and at a projecting corner not far from Moulin is a fine downward view into the depths of a broad ravine, with the watch-tower of Spludach surmounting a well-wooded knoll, while at Marmorera, a little further on, are the ruins of two castles. Through the little village of Stalvedro, 5,613 feet, one pushes to Stalla, otherwise Bivio, 5,827 feet, five miles from Moulin, Stalla is an unlovely place, shut in by high mountains and almost devoid of vegetation. There is an hotel here if the traveller is under the necessity of stopping, but the food is dear and not of the best. The gradient between Molan and here has averaged 206 feet per mile, but for the remaining four miles to the Julier summit, it is 418 feet, or more than double. The scenery is bleak, barren and monotonous. The road is rough and very slippery in wet weather, and if a wet mist spreads its cold mantle over the landscape, dimly seen only a few yards ahead, the prospect is weird in the extreme. A peculiarity of the road is the prevalence of purple stones. The surface generally, in fact, is tinged with that hue. Round and round the curves one winds, meeting, perhaps, a descending diligence, or an Italian shepherd in charge of sheep that have been brought all the way from Bergamo beyond Milan, but otherwise there is no sign of life on these stony wastes. The hospice, 7,360 feet, is a small structure faced by a hut, and better fare is obtainable within than would appear probable from without. At the actual summit, 7,504 feet, stand two pillars of bluish stone, five feet high, called Julius's Columns, and concerning the origin of which there has been much speculation. They are certainly of ancient date, and have been variously supposed to be the remains of a Celtic temple to Jules, the sun, or milestones on the Roman military road, built by Augustus from Chiavenna over the Maloya and Julier, or traces of the passage of Julius Caesar himself. The most tenable theory, however, is that the stones are portions of a single column formerly erected as a boundary stone, and brought from the Maloya Pass, and that, though traceable as far back as 1396, there is no proof that they are of Roman origin. It is the descent of the Julier towards the Engadine that repays the upward toil. The road winds with two or three long zigzags, and an average gradient of 257 feet per mile. The surface is good, and one may coast with care, until the last straight run to Silverplana is reached, when backpedalling is better. Surfaces appear to change greatly in this region, 
the Continental Road Book describes the road as poor, which fortunately is no longer the case. On the other hand, there is a stage of the Engadine between Sousse and Zernetz, which is given as very good, that is now in a very rough state, although to my own knowledge it was perfect in 1896. But to revert to the descent of the Julier, the ride must be ever memorable to everyone who undertakes it. First, the snow-clad mountains of the lovely Bernina range come into view, and then the gorgeous foreground of the peaks immediately behind the lakes of the upper Engadine. As these burst into sight with the green lakes below, the scene is dramatically picturesque. In fact, as a surprise view, it can have few rivals. There is but one upper Engadine, and from the Julier one sees it at its best. If the man who took his bicycle abroad saw naught else but this exquisite panorama, he would have no need to regret the journey. End of chapter 6